This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. These are the words of integration and guidance by Desmond and We all experience pain. This is an inescapable part of being human. Hurt, insult, harm, and loss are inevitable aspects of our lives. Psychology calls it trauma, and it often leaves deep scars in our soul. However, it is not trauma itself that defines us. It is meaning we make of our experiences that defines both who we are and who we ultimately become. Every day we are faced with the possibility of being hurt by others. It is part and parcel of living and loving and being a member of the human body. Whether the harm is intentional or unintentional, the hurt is real. We may find ourselves the target of lies, betrayal, gossip, or even physical assault. Someone we love may reject us. Someone we trust may cheat us. Someone we consider a friend may insult us. Or we may find ourselves in the wrong place at the wrong time and fall victim to random violence and tragic accident. Loved ones may be hurt or even killed. <clears throat> In any given moment, we may be harmed profoundly. It is not fair. It is not deserved, and yet it happens. It is what we do next that matters most. Each time we are injured, we stand at the same fork in the road and choose to travel either the path of in uh, forgiveness or the path of retaliation. Even the, in the midst of righteous anger or rage, even if we are blinded by grief and pain, even if our suffering feels so immense and so unfair, we always make the choice. We can lash out in retaliation, demanding an eye for an eye, and false belief that somehow this will undo the initial harm and provide balm to our wounds. Or we can step toward the place of acceptance we can recognize that we must give up all belief that we can change the past. The journey to acceptance begins in pain and ends in hope. What is it that you need to forgive? What happened to cause your pain? How have you been hurt? Whatever it will be, whatever has been broken or lost can only be repaired and found again by telling the story of what happened. Scripture today comes from Genesis 25, 19 through 34. These are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he, remarried, when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Armenian, and Padan Aram, sister of Laban, the Armenian. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, if, if it is to be this way, why do I live? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. The two people born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger. When her time to give birth was at hand, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy mantle, so they named him Esau. 
Afterward, his brother came out with his hand gripping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore him. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man living in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he was fond of game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that bread stuff, for I am famished. Therefore, he was called Edom. Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. Esau said, I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil soup, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his this is the word of the Lord. No, I'm good. I'll just come right here. Thanks. It's a little taller. You're awesome. Thank you. Good enough. Do people do people know that Andy is actually a pastor in real life too? In real life. And a chaplain. And a fellow justice seeker. In those moments when classes meetings are painful, um, we sit in the back and we look at each other and, <laughs> and shake our heads and sometimes swear in Jesus' name under our breath. Um, one of the more painful meetings when I was just like, God, where are you? Um, Andy and another one of our friends came and shared with me a bit of chocolate and a cup of water. And for me, really, truly, that was communion. Um, so before we take a look at the gospel, uh, how did I get here? Went to Hope College, Princeton Seminary, pastored in New York area, Chicago, Grand Rapids, had children uh, in Chicago. And who knew? Uh, I did some work so that I could actually hang out with them when they were in high school because they're cute and fun. Somebody asked me if I brought my groupies, so yes, I brought my groupies. I'm grateful for them. So listen for the word of God from the gospel, from Matthew. It's 13. I'm actually going to be reading the lectionary passage, verses 1 to 9 and 18 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. In these passages, the Bible, the Bible shows some of the most painful aspects of family relationships. All the wives of God's promise, Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, experienced infertility till God intervened. And then sometimes God messed up the order. Sometimes God chose the younger over the older, which wasn't the way it was supposed to work. Anybody watch Downton Abbey? <laughs> See? Right? It's supposed to be the oldest. But wait, there's more only if they're male. Right, The entire premise of that show, the first four seasons, was based on who's a boy, who's a girl, who's born first. Right? Great series, but really sad reality. And, and it was only recently that Queen Elizabeth said, hey, you know what, maybe if somebody's a girl, maybe they should get to rule too. And that's only because her grandson got pregnant, or his wife got pregnant. All of us have families where we shake our heads. So Jacob, even though he was born last, got the goodies. Jacob's son, Joseph, remember Joseph and the coat of many colors? That's going to be his son if you tune in later. Joseph got all the goodies over, over the brothers. And when we see families where we shake our heads, 
Sometimes we see it from afar, and some of us were born in families that we shake our heads. When we read verses 27 and 28, how do we think this story is actually going to end, and how do we think it's going to end well? I'll re remind you. The boys grew up. Esau was a hunter. Woohoo! A man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man living in the tents. And then here you go. Isaac loved Esau because he was fond of game. Rebecca loved Jacob. This is not going to go well. When life isn't fair, we are not called to fake it, number one. When life isn't fair, we're not called to fake it. Rebecca, right from the get-go, said, you know what? I don't even need this. Why do I live? She didn't fake it. She was honest. Number two, when life isn't fair, fragility is okay. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. Okay, a lot of times life doesn't make sense. Rebecca wanted an answer, and God's answer was complicated. For those of us who've had children inside of us, when we ask a tough question like she asks, we just want to hear, hey, baby, don't worry about it. In a few months, it'll be fine. Instead, what God says is, yeah, so this is the deal. There are two nations inside of you right now. There are two people, and when they're born, they're going to be divided. The whole sibling rivalry, that's going to be your entire life. They're not going to like each other. You and your husband are going to have marital issues all because of the kids inside of you. Oh, and he asked for him, but don't worry about it. When life isn't fair, fragility is okay. As I pondered on this passage, what kept coming to mind was a passage from John 9, the one where the man was born blind. For those who may not know the story, the disciples and the people who are following Jesus are all freaked out. And they come to Jesus with the obvious, brilliant question, Yo, Jesus, who sinned that this guy was born blind? Did his parents sin or did he sin? We just want to know. And Jesus said, you know what, neither of them. This happened so the works of God could be displayed in him. Okay, cool. So the works of God are displayed. But let's go back to the fact that somebody is born blind. How does that work? When life isn't fair, fragility is okay. Questions are okay. Walter Brueggemann wrote on this passage from Genesis, the Jacob narrative, the conflicted call of God. And he notes, even as the designated of God, Jacob lives a really troubled life. He has conflicts with those around him. It's the juxtaposition of the special designation and a life of conflict that's the mainspring of the narrative, said Brueggemann. Apparently, it is the commitment to this troubled man which causes the conflict. I'll do it again. Apparently, it's the commitment of God to this troubled man that even causes the conflict. It concerns the capacity of God, continued Brueggemann, to transform power relations and bring to well-being those who are low and despised without claims of priority. He writes, we're not told why God challenged the legitimated convention of community by designation, even this heel of Esau, and it's the same God who will struggle with Jacob and leave him crippled. Remember the song, we are climbing Jacob's ladder. In that story, Jacob ends up struggling with God, literally wrestling with God, and says, I'm not going to let you go. And God touches his hip. To be faithful, writes Brueggemann, 
to the call of such a God brings conflict. Because this God, God's self, evokes and enters into conflict with the way the world is organized. When life isn't fair, it's okay to fake it. I mean, we're not called to fake it. It's okay to be fragile. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, most of us maybe haven't heard about Longfellow since high school English, and maybe not even then now. He wrote the song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, and we used that in earlier in the worship service. A few years before he wrote that song, his beloved wife died in a fire. The first Christmas after Fanny's death, Longfellow wrote this, How inexpressibly sad are all holidays. And then a year after the incident, he wrote, I can make no record of these days. Better leave them wrapped in silence. Perhaps someday God will give me peace. Number three, when life isn't fair, we still get to be fertile, even if we're fallow. In the Levitical Code, you know how we have the seven days, God works seven days, the seventh day you get to rest? Similarly, in the Levitical Code, what God said to the people is, listen, you get to plant all of these fields, right? But every seven years, that field, you just need to let it be. Don't plant anything, just let it be. All of us have times in our life when things don't go as planned. Maybe we've had a layoff, maybe a divorce, maybe a cancer diagnosis. Maybe it's something that feels mundane that you don't put on a prayer list, but it just sucks the life out of you anyway. Like, oopsie doopsie, you need a new roof. Or, holy moly, where'd the water in the basement come from? And you gotta do something with it, and it costs a lot of money, and, and you're not even gonna put it on Facebook, you're not gonna ask anybody to pray, but you have no idea how that bill is gonna get paid. In life, when it isn't going as we planned, sometimes we're called, in essence, to rest, to be fallow. But even in that, we get to be fertile. Brian Hortdahl wrote about the gospel passage in Christian Century a few years back, and he observed about the seeds. Grace is flung and wasted everywhere. What does it mean for those of us who wring our hands about declining resources and increasing challenges, who target demographics and craft business plans, who prostrate ourselves at the altar of productivity and efficiency? Might the sower be for us a liberating slap in the furrowed face? calling us to stop making so many careful, strategic judgments and maybe start spreading grace a little more liberally. Because who knows where those seeds will land? Who knows what God is doing in the midst of whatever God does? Even when we come to God and ask God for an answer, like Rebecca did, and we get an answer we don't want. In the song that we, we just said some of those words, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, he wrote these words during the end of the Civil War. His wife had died, his son had been wounded in battle, and these are some of the words he wrote. And actually, I'll sing them, and if you know the words, you can sing, but you know the song, I think. And in despair I bowed my head, 
There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to all. And the last verse. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth God sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to all. When we read the gospel passage, did anybody, were you raised in Sunday school? Do you remember this passage when you were a little kid? Anybody? So when I was a little kid, this is the way it goes. And kids, you want to be the seed that lands on the good ground. Don't let those thorns choke you out. Golly gee. And then you would have, like sometimes you would plant the little seeds or there'd be little thorns and there'd be little rocks. But isn't the truth of this passage that each of us have times and moments when we are each of those seeds, when we fall in each of those scenarios. Some days, some weeks, maybe if we're really rocking it a year, we might feel like we're really fertile and we're just growing things and God is answering prayers and ain't we the American dream personified. But so many times, even when there's some scenario that's going well, there's 79 other things that just aren't. And a lot of times, we don't even get to tell anybody about it. Because how do you explain it? Especially if it's family stuff, right? Could you imagine pub theology, Jacob or Esau coming? It's like, dude, it's too complicated. Sometimes, because of our hurt, the evil one snatches that which is sown, that little seed. Sometimes we think we have joy and we find out precisely how unrooted we really are because trouble blows over the plant that we thought was sturdy, just like the big old oak in front of Orhees, right? We thought it was sturdy. Heck, we were even watering it. And it, poof, it goes over. Sometimes we're welcoming, we are loving neighbor as ourselves. we're loving God with everything, we're cruising, and we find out that envy will come and choke our souls. The cares of the world choke us. We don't think we care about material possessions. But you know what? If you have children, you find out you might care a little bit more about material stuff than you thought you did. We want them to thrive. And as the gospel said, the lure of wealth chokes the word. When life isn't fair... We're not called to fake it. When life isn't fair, we get to be fragile. When life isn't fair, we still get to be fertile, even in the moments of being fallow. Two more. When life isn't fair, we still forgive. Sometimes it's so complicated, you don't even know what to forgive. Who forgives whom in this story? Does Esau forgive Jacob? Does Jacob forgive Esau? Does Esau forgive Rebecca, does Jacob forgive? Like, you could just do a whole big diagram. When Esau came in and he said, I'm about to die, what use is a birthright to me? I read that passage several times. And I'm like, dude, drama much? <laughs> and, you know, I know there were no McDonald's, right? Anybody here, you say you're going to be healthy, and you're even healthy for seven or eight weeks, and then, see, McDonald's. 
even if you're a vegetarian. <laughs> Those ice cream cones, they're pretty tasty. So there's no McDonald's. And, and by the way, this last verse, the last verse, the word, kind of was curious to me. The notion of Esau despising his birthright, it wasn't like he just threw it. The Hebrew word for that, bizarre, means actually to treat it as worthless. So even when we see the seeds and we try to act that all of life is precious, there are moments that we treat stuff that's really important as worthless. Sometimes we're hungry. Sometimes we're grumpy. Sometimes we feel so screwed over that it really just doesn't even matter because it's not going to work out anyway. And we just throw away that which is precious and we treat it as worthless. We bizarre it. We despise it. In the midst of the churches I've served, I also was a hospice chaplain for four years. I'm only 53. I just turned 53. I look older, but I've done a lot of work. <laughs> you know what I learned in the midst of family drama? And this is my gift to you. There is no such thing as secrets. There really are no such thing as secrets. You may think you have a secret, and baby, it's going to come out. Might be before you die, might be after you die. But it's a hot mess. And here, we got this family drama that we think somehow we invent family drama, and they, they, they were living it. But the beauty at the end of life is you get to say these words if you do it well. I love you. I forgive you. And thank you. The passage that we read from the Tutus is from a book called The Book of Forgiving. It's a great book. Highly commend it. But when life isn't fair, we still get to forgive even those who have wronged us. The Tutus wrote, Forgiveness isn't a gift we give the other. We remember that forgiveness is a gift that gives itself to me. We just read that. Or, here's St. Anne Lamott's version. Not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. For those who haven't heard it, it's a great quote. Not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. And finally, beloved, when life isn't fair, God is still faithful. At the beginning of the service, we sang, Give Me Jesus. That was Coretta Scott King's favorite hymn of all time. So when you get home, reread the words. Not only was her husband murdered, her father-in-law died. Most folks don't know this. Her mother-in-law, did you know that Martin Luther King's mother was murdered? Yeah, white folks don't know that. She was playing organ, 72 or 73. Mentally ill person came in church and shot her during the service. That's how Dr. King's mother died. Again, most white folks don't know that. In the midst of all of that, even at the end of her life, Coretta Scott King's favorite song, Give Me Jesus. In a moment, we're going to sing Precious Lord, Take My Hand. It was written by Thomas Dorsey. <coughs> He wrote it in April, in 1932. In April of 1932, his beloved wife, Nettie, was trying to give birth to her son. Both their son and Nettie died in the midst of childbirth. And Dorsey's response was, Precious Lord, take my hand. Those words, that song, is huge. It was one of Dr. King's favorite songs. He, re he frequently asked Mahalia Jackson to sing it when he would go and preach in places. When life isn't fair, God is still faithful. God is always faithful. 
Remember Brueggemann's words, to be faithful to the call of such a God brings conflict because this God, God's self, evokes and enters into the conflict with the way the world is organized. God is faithful. We bear fruit of a God who loves and perseveres even when pain makes life feel so unfair. Let's pray. Holy God, it's tough to trust sometimes, and it's even more tough sometimes to believe that you are still love, even when life is unfair. So as we sing the words of Thomas Dorsey, as we ask you to take our hand, as we confess to you that we are tired, that we are weak, that we are worn, God, we thank you that even when we feel fragile, even when we feel frail, even when we feel indeed fallow, like we're not even doing what you called us to do or be, that you, O holy God, are always faithful. Give us eyes of faith to see even the things we cannot see. Amen. You are loved by Jesus Christ. You have been redeemed by the very God who created you. You are upheld and strengthened and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Go into this week having the courage to live the love and the hope and the life that this same God has given you. Go in peace. Amen. Invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Holland Area Arts Council in downtown Holland. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.